very much. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all of you here today. If you'd take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. You know, it occurred to me, for those who are listening online, if you uh, are not on our mailing list, our email list, and would like to receive the bulletins in electronic form so you can follow along more easily, by all means, uh, go to our website at providencebpc.org, and you'll find the contact information there. Shoot us an email, and we'll make sure you're added so you can get that information. All right, 1 Samuel 19. I would ask that you'd stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's holy word. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 7. 1 through 7. And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine, and Yahweh worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as Yahweh lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he he was in his presence as before. God adds his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Please be seated. I think it's a fair statement to say that we all want a friend. Just one would do. It's nice to have more, but uh, we all long to have friends and good friends. And here in this brief passage, verses 1 through 7, we have an account of the kind of friend that you want to have. And more than that, the kind of friend that you want to be to others. Now, when we look at the prior chapter, as we did last week, at the strategies of David's enemy, King Saul. This is a stark contrast. We had a picture of an enemy and and the mindset of the enemy and what the enemy was after. And here now we have a picture in the person of Jonathan of a true friend. Now, Jonathan's uh, uh, delight, I'm going to say just a word or two about this. This, uh, This particular passage as well as a couple of other passages that relate to Jonathan and David that speak of their love for one another and their relationship to one another, is often brought up by those in the homosexual community to say, well, see, homosexuality is okay because they were having this, Jonathan and David had that kind of relationship. And that is not at all what is going on here. It's a perversion of a godly love between friends. And Jonathan's delight is uh, a, a word that has the idea of, of bending down towards or being inclined towards someone else. 
there's a part of this that indicates the relative position of Jonathan to David. Jonathan is from a wealthy family. Saul, if you, you may remember, was from a very wealthy family. David was not. Jonathan, of course, is the king's son. He's presumably the heir apparent. David's relative nobody. And so there's a little bit of that positional, relational uh, uh, aspect there. But it also, because of that being inclined towards someone else, it has the, just the idea of a general delight and, and uh, pleasure in the presence of others, enjoying their company, enjoying their friendship and their fellowship. And Jonathan has a great delight, it says. He delights much in David. And he demonstrates that it's, it's much more than lip service, as we will see as we go through this passage. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's in Proverbs 17, 17. And Jonathan certainly demonstrates the truth of that as he inserts himself in between his friend David and the threat. Because as we go through this passage, it becomes apparent that a true friend strives to protect you. Strives to protect you. Now, in a couple of different ways, or three different ways here that I'm seeing outlined in this passage. First of all, in verses 2 and 3, a true friend is concerned about protecting your life. And Jonathan does that with David in several ways. He first of all warns David of the danger that was facing him. Though, you know, David, I think, was probably already aware that there was a danger, right? I mean, Saul had already tried to kill him twice. But Saul, being so volatile, one day he'd be congenial, one day he'd be talking about Yahweh. One day he'd be uh, just kind of normal, and then other days he'd be raving out of control. And so it might be tempting for David to say, well, it was just an aberration, and so on. But Saul, Saul takes the gloves off. In the prior chapter, he had gone through all of this deception and all of this little plans and the sneaky ways and trying to do all the things that he was doing. Now he just takes he did no more veneers. Just He's telling all of his, his servants, go and kill David. It's, just kill him. Just kill him. So Jonathan warns David of what's going on, saying, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. So there's the warning of danger, and certainly if you and I are true friends to others, we will warn them of the danger that they may be in. But it doesn't just stop with that warning. Jonathan doesn't just say, all right, David, you're on your own here. Just be aware. Jonathan has taken effort to plan an escape for David. He says, all right, now, here's what we need to do. Be on guard, stay in a secret place, hide yourself, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and uh, I'll, I'll be talking with him, and anything I learn, I'm going to tell you. So Jonathan has thought about this. That's, this is the idea behind this planning David's escape. There is thought behind this. 
Jonathan cares enough about his friend not to just say, hey, be on guard, but I've got a plan. Let's, 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 let's try this. This is going to work. So there's thought behind this. And if we're, don't you appreciate it when those who are your friends actually spend some, some time, shall I say, offline, uh, thinking about how they can help you? And that's a blessing to us when folks do that. And when we do that for others, it's a blessing to others. By contrast, interestingly, in, in our responsive reading today, in Psalm 38, uh, there's a contrast here about those who are the enemies. Those who seek my life, this is uh, 38.12, lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt, speak of ruin, and meditate treachery all day long. Our enemies spend time plotting how they can undo us. Whether it's the devil himself, whether there's opposition that we have, whether those that are looking to undermine us, there's this thought that goes into how they can do that. Should we not, as true friends, give that same kind of thought to helping our brothers and sisters? Jonathan does that. And he also seeks to protect David's life. And this is perhaps the most remarkable of all. By personal intercession. Saul, the king, has commanded his son and all the other servants to kill David. Jonathan comes up with this plan. He's going to go out and stand in a field with his deranged father, putting himself between Saul and David, puts himself in harm's way to stand there and say, don't do this. This is wrong. That personal intercession is something that is very precious to us, is it not? When others stand in the gap for us. When others take up our cause, take up our cares and our concerns at whatever cost it might be to them. Jonathan's cost was at the the very danger of his own life because he was contradicting his father, the king. That is true friendship. He did not care about the cost to himself. He cared about the cost to David. Put himself in danger to protect David's life. Now, a true friend, though, goes beyond just life. All right, let's get David, uh, you know, uh, out of harm's way here. Uh, no matter what anybody thinks, at least he's safe. But Solomon, I mean, uh, Solomon, Jonathan is concerned about uh, David's life for sure, but he's concerned about more than that. And in verses 4 and 5, you see in this conversation with Saul, yes, he pleads for David's life and for Saul to desist in this uh, effort to assassinate him. But he's also concerned about protecting David's name. David's reputation. Because David, if David lives, but his name is utterly trashed, that's a miserable way to live. He's striving to protect not only David's life, but David's good name and reputation. And of course, that's going to be something that we will see throughout David's life going forward as those that there are those that tell lies about him there are those that try to 
undermine him. There are try, those that try to undercut his, his uh, position as the king of Israel. All uh, in, an, in an effort not to just attack his, uh, his uh, life, but just to make, if he somehow survives, to make his life miserable and render him powerless. Jonathan's concerned about protecting the name. And so in this, he encourages, first of all, um, respect for David. His, his, David hasn't done a thing against you. David has been your, your friend and indeed a deliverer to Israel. So he, he, re, he, he encourages Saul to respect David. And he, he reminds Saul of the good that David has, has done. He recognizes that there is divine providence upon David. He, he took his life into his hands. He's a, he's a, this is part of the respect for him. He's an honorable man. He's a brave man. He struck down the Philistine. And Yahweh worked a great salvation for all Israel. Jonathan gives the credit not merely to David, but ultimately to the Lord. And so he reminds Saul of divine providence, recognizing that God has been at work in this person. You know, when our friends are under attack, either a personal, you know, personal sin issues they're working through, or whether they're going through some sort of opposition of some kind, uh, either in uh, individual friendships and relationships or in the community at large, we can come along and remind those who are in opposition against our friends of who they are and, and what they've done and encourage respect for them and, and, and note how the Lord has used them. So let's not be too quick to condemn and too quick to cast them off. And he does uphold David's innocence. Why would you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? David is innocent of any wrongdoing or rebellion or you know, trying to unseat Saul or any of that. There would come a time in the Lord's providence that Saul would be removed from office and David put into place. But David was not going to be the one to take that in hand upon, and, and, and say, I'm going to do this myself. He was waiting upon the Lord's timing to do it as he willed. So this name that Jonathan is concerned about is a name of integrity and a name of, of, of worthiness of respect and honor. And he labors to protect that name. And then in verses 6 and 7, a true friend goes beyond uh, even this protecting of life and reputation and labors to protect relationships. Now, look at this here in 6. Saul listens to Jonathan. Amazing. And, he's, and he swears an oath that, you know, by the very name of Yahweh, that David shall not be put to death. Now, we know that as time would go on, David, I mean, Saul would not keep that oath. He would try again and again and again. But at this point, there there is the beginnings of at least uh, a partial restoration. David's not able to be in Saul, has not been able to be in Saul's presence when Saul's been acting this way. 
So the, Jonathan has labored to seek to restore David's former position. And then he calls David, he reports everything to him, brings David to Saul and was in his presence as before. So it's a couple of things here in this relationship. First of all, Jonathan helps to protect this relationship with Saul by accurate communication. Accurate communication. You know, careless or manipulative communication is harmful. If we um, either just don't think, uh, just don't think very well about that communication, and we spout off something without thinking very, very much, um, we're not accurate in the way that we report to others what's been said. Certainly, that can harm relationships, can it not? And manipulative is even worse. Jonathan here goes back. First of all, he's accurately communicated to Saul about David's situation and what David's done. But then when he goes back to David, think about this, okay? David has been pursued. A a kill order has been issued for his life. How do you think he's going to be disposed towards Saul? How do you think that he's going to feel about coming back into Saul's presence and doing anything for Saul? I don't know about you, but I think I might find that difficult. Jonathan goes back to David, does not trash talk his father. Accurately communicates how that that communication went and and communicated Saul's oath to David. Those words had to be a comfort to David. It's certainly, as we see, as David comes back into Saul's presence to serve, again, playing music, that David, while certainly I would expect David was cautious, but nonetheless, he was willing to go back and do those things that were before him to do in the presence of his enemy with devotion to his Lord and devotion to his task. If Jonathan had gone back and maligned his father or misrepresented what his father had said, um, he would likely have only increased any bitterness that David may have had against Saul. Would have only increased fear and suspicion and would not have, we would not see the, the uh, result here of, of David serving once again. Now, the other aspect of protecting the relationship here goes back kind of to what we, were, what we mentioned just a little bit ago, I mean, the, under the protecting life, where Jonathan personally intercedes. Jonathan, once again, is showing, it's not so much intercession here, but just personal, for lack of a better word, support. Again, Jonathan doesn't say, hey, David, uh, you can go back in there now. I'll see you later. I mean, you get the you get the picture here of David bring uh, so Jonathan brings David to Saul. Jonathan is there. Jonathan's keeping a watchful eye. Jonathan is not letting David go through this on his own. He's not throwing him under the bus. He's there for him. And that's part of that the strength of the relationship between Jonathan and David helps to give David the courage and strength 
to go back and seek to restore a relationship that had been badly broken by his enemy. No. Perhaps David was thinking of Jonathan when he wrote Psalm 15. I'd like you to turn there. Psalm 15. Now the focus is about worship. Who, who can come into God's presence? Who can, who can worship Him rightly? But there's some things here that apply very much so uh, to the passage we've just looked at and to us as well. Follow along as I read. It's entitled A Psalm of David. O Yahweh, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear Yahweh, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Think about it. Jonathan was blameless in all of his de dealings. He had a heart of integrity that showed itself in honorable speech. He didn't slander his father. He did no harm to David. He would not stand by and let David be slandered by Saul. He honored Yahweh's anointed one. He made a covenant with him that, that favored this man who would take the place that he, in, other, in all other circumstances being equal, would have the reasonable expectation that he was going to inhabit as the king. And Jonathan was steadfast in his protection of his friend. He was unmoved till the day that he died. This is the kind of friend that you and I want. And this is the kind of friend that you and I should want to be. We live in an age, do we not, where one's success is often measured by how many friends somebody has on Facebook. Well, Solomon's words in Proverbs 18.24 need to be kept in mind. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Long for that friend and be that friend to someone else, fearing Yahweh together through your lives. Of course, there's even a greater example of a true friend, isn't there? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He preached repentance in the face of the imminence of the kingdom of God. With the Father and Spirit, he devised an eternal plan to deliver your soul. He stands at the throne to intercede on your behalf for his sake. And in that intercession, he pleads his own righteousness imputed to your account. In effect, reminding the Father of your connection to his matchless providence. And he lives to reveal himself to you and by the Spirit teach you all things. He dwells with you, enabling and encouraging you in the performance of your duties in the presence of God. Yes, a true friend 
protects you. Your life, your reputation, your relationships, even at the cost of his own life and position. There are many that will claim to be your friends through this life who just simply aren't there when the chips are down. Be less desirous for hordes of friends and desire heavenly friends. Most of all, long for that friend who truly sticks closer than any, your Lord Jesus. By his grace and the faith that he gives, you can rest in his covenant faithfulness to you no matter what enemies you face in this life. Let's pray. Lord God, how thankful we are that you have provided this beautiful picture of a true friend. Lord, we long to have those kinds of friends and we, Lord, desire to be those kinds of friends to others. Let us not be weary in well-doing as we serve one another in true godly love. We ask, Lord God, that you would help each of us as well to be filled with gratitude and wonder at our matchless friend and elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, let our faith be in no one else, but let us trust only in the finished work that he did as our, as our friend to give his life a ransom for many. Thank you, Father, for that sacrifice. Thank you for the salvation that is ours because of it. Help us to increase in wonder and joy as we meditate upon these things. In Christ's name we pray.